Hello and welcome to episode three of season two of the Simple Faith podcast. Uh, this is a podcast all about sharing authentic Christianity for normal people. In other words, we're trying to strip our faith from all of those unnecessarily intellectual and churchy words and just focus on talking about what it means to be followers of Jesus. So if you're new here, uh, we're so glad that you're joining us. Feel free to uh, rate this podcast if you're listening to it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever you wherever you get your podcasts really. Uh, and leave a a review. We would love to get some five-star reviews to help draw people to this. And also, uh, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we want to remind you that you can uh, access this now on YouTube, where you can see uh, my face staring right back at you. You might not want that, but that's okay. You can get it if you want. So you can find us on YouTube just by searching for Simple Faith Podcast, and you can listen to us on YouTube. So, Today, I have a a very special guest because it's my friend, Simon, who is joining us. Hi, Simon. Welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast. Hello. Well, I was going to say good afternoon. It's it's afternoon where I am. I have no idea what time it is where you are. It's the morning here. Yeah. We're we're six hours apart. So I'm in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. And Simon, you're in Windsor, right near the castle in the United Kingdom, right? Yeah. I'm with the queen herself. Just don't throw away. Yeah. So Simon and I uh, used to be colleagues. Simon is an elder at Ascot Life Church in the UK. Uh, fun fact about that church, uh, Ascot Life Church is actually, uh, when there's no coronavirus, I should say, they meet in uh, the race course, in Ascot Race Course, which is a very famous uh, kind of British institution, isn't it, really? Mm. Yeah, the Queen goes to the races there every year. So me and the Queen, we really spend a lot of time together. Um, it's a close <laughs> relationship. Yeah, I actually I'm a royal person. Are you? Are you a royal person? When Simon and I were working together, I actually had an opportunity along with one of our other colleagues to be a chaplain at Royal Ascot. And I actually did get to see the Queen. And I had this embarrassing <laughs> moment where she was walking past me and I had my phone because, you know, it wasn't like she was coming to meet me. And I kind of just waved, but waved <laughs> in the most awkward way you could possibly imagine. And she literally looked up at me and looked right back down and she looked utterly disgusted it was just i i mean let's say it was not the height of decorum and so now I, she's probably she's probably glad that i'm now way off in uh red deer and out yeah. of her sight yeah well, so the, simon i was gonna say the Sorry. shameful thing about that story is that i actually chose not not to go and you guys had to edit me into a photo there so maybe i'm not <laughs> as uh not as much of a royalist as i claim but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've been caught out there a little bit. Uh, Simon, today we are talking about baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few uh, episodes ago, Sharia and I talked about communion. Uh, these are uh, two what we call ordinances, uh, key things in the, the Christian faith. So baptism is one of those things that we wanted to focus on fairly early on in season two. Uh, so today I think we're going to work through uh Another fairly straightforward structure. I like building foundations on these kinds of things. So I want to talk about what baptism is, why it's important, why do Christians differ on baptism? And then maybe if we have time at the end, we'll uh, give our own personal opinions on some complex questions. So we may not have uh, the full answers here, but we can go some way to working it out. So with that all said, uh, let's take a short break and we will see you in the next section to talk about baptism.
So, Simon, the most important question, perhaps, of the day: What is baptism? Well, that's yeah. That is, I guess, that's a question we're answering over this whole podcast. So, I'll just give us a start for ten. Uh, I'd say baptism is a a visible outward sign of a heart transformation that has taken place inwardly of someone placing their trust in Jesus. And so because of that, it's appropriate for believing Christians to do. I'd say that's what baptism is. Yeah. And maybe perhaps even more basically, baptism is when someone is dunked into some water, pulled out again. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a, a Christian ritual that, that you uh, perhaps have seen happen. Uh, you see it in rivers, in hot tubs, in uh, baptism pools. Um, we see we see basically that act of dunking, or you might be familiar with um, christening. Um, perhaps you were christened as a child, where someone sprinkles some water on you as a baby. Um, all of these come under the bracket of baptism. Uh, I mean, that's broadly speaking what it is. It's an outward uh, representation of what's going on inwardly, like you said, isn't it, Simon? But I yeah. guess the big question is, why is it important? I mean, that's what it is. It's dunking or sprinkling and lifting up out of the water why 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 do christians do that because that seems really weird yeah well i guess you could give a really basic answer to that question which is it's important because jesus told us to do it <laughs> and uh <laughs> if we call ourselves followers of jesus then you know it's it's usually a good thing to kind of do the things that he calls us to do but uh, you know i think you could kind of take a um, a broad approach to thinking about what, why baptism is important in thinking about what it symbolizes. Uh, so there are a number of times uh, in the Bible where God kind of uh, brings his people into new life through water. Um, this is kind of taking a bit of, as I say, a broad approach. But, you know, you have moments like the flood where God takes Noah through the waters of the flood and then into this kind of new creation state. Uh, you have moments like the Exodus, where God takes the people of Israel through the waters of the Red Sea uh, and then again through the River Jordan and into the Promised Land. Uh, and so one reason that baptism is important, uh, I think, is because it, it ties us into that story of God kind of bring, bringing new birth and kind of creating a new people through bringing them through kind of the waters of judgment. Um, yeah, that's, that's really good, Simon. I'm going to jump in right there because uh, for those of you who have listened to this podcast for a while, you know I love to share quotes from books that I'm reading. Uh, Simon is like my, my book twin. He's someone that uh, gives me a lot of books, rec book recommendations. We used to read a lot together when uh, we were working together. And actually, this is a book that Simon recommended to me, funnily enough. Mm. I want to read this that just kind of uh, leads on from what Simon was saying there. It's a book called Everyday Church by Tim Chester. And it says this, for years, Noah built an ocean going ship far from the sea. It's not hard to imagine the ridicule this provoked. All the time, his warnings of judgment fell on deaf ears. Perhaps like many of us today, he had days where he wondered what he was doing. We're not told, but ultimately he was vindicated. Those who ridiculed his message were judged while Noah and his family were saved through water. Peter links this to our baptism. Every time we remember our baptism, we are reminded that, 
that we have died to this world and risen to the life of the coming age when we will be vindicated along with our Savior. I love that quote. And it just kind of follows on from what you were talking about there. Mm. Uh, Simon, sorry to, to, to jump in, but I wonder if you want to, if you've got anything else to, to say there or. No, yeah. What I, I think that's like a brilliant way to tie it into kind of another big reason that baptism is important is because it's not just kind of passing through the waters, but there is a kind of death and new life element to it as well, which um, Paul particularly ties to kind of Jesus's death. Um, Paul talks about how baptism is like our way of uh, kind of applying or uh, kind of reenacting ourselves the death that Jesus went through. And it's like, us saying, I died with Jesus, I'm going to go into this kind of watery grave with him and then rise to new life with him. I don't know if you'd have anything to add as to uh, kind of this sort of thing. No, I was just thinking, I mean, I think what you're saying there is, is great. I, I was casting my mind back to this bit where we said, because Jesus tells us, uh, I feel <laughs> like we should maybe qualify that with actual times where Jesus said it. So that's, so if maybe we'll just point just in that direction quickly, you know, uh, in the Great Commission, we talked about that in um, the When Leaders Fall episode. We'll probably talk about the Great Commission in most episodes. But Jesus calls us to make disciples of all nations. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's a big deal. Uh, Jesus was baptized by John. The fact that Jesus was baptized was a big deal. And in, in Matthew, it says that this was done to fulfill all righteousness. So uh, this was a, a big deal. Uh, Paul says in Romans, in Romans 6, actually, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So we're, we're, there's a, a few things. I mean, that's just a few passages. There's a lot more passages that we could talk about. Um, those are a few that just come to mind where it highlights the importance of this being something that we do um, as a, a an outward symbol, um, but also something that's spiritually significant as well. It's a, a spiritually significant occasion uh, for us to, to undertake as believers. So in a nutshell, that's why uh, we believe baptism is important. We could obviously delve a lot deeper into that than we're going to. But like Simon said earlier, I think we'll answer some more of the questions that you might have here in the next section. So in the next section, we're going to talk about uh, why so many Christians differ on baptism. So we'll see you after the break. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation, depending on which denomination that you are a part of. You might have a very strong opinion on uh, how someone should be baptized or christened or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we are coming from a, uh, a certain perspective. And what we're going to share is what we believe that the Bible is teaching. But we're going to try and be as fair to some of these other perspectives as we can. So with that in mind, Simon, do you want to kick us off uh, like, why, why is there such a, a difference in uh, perspectives on baptism? Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, a huge question, as always. Uh, 
So I think there's one major difference on kind of the baptism question is whether baptism should be by immersion, which is like a, I think you said in the beginning, like a full dunk, <laughs> or you can have um, baptism that's kind of, there's less water involved, basically. It's kind of like sprinkling. That's particularly, um, you know, used in, I think, child baptism and that sort of thing. Uh, and I, I think probably one like underlying reason why there's a difference there is because uh, there are kind of different uh, metaphors used to describe what's happening in baptism. So we've talked already about how baptism is like a participation in Jesus's death, like it's going into a grave and being risen back up again. Uh, and so uh, that kind of lends itself more to the kind of immersion form of baptism because you're, you're being dunked into the ground and then being brought back up. But there are also passages in the, passages in the Bible that kind of refer to, or they seem to refer to baptism as a kind of washing. Um, you know, Ephesians 5 talks about Jesus washing the church with the water of the word. Uh, Titus 3 talks about the washing of regeneration, which might refer to baptism. Uh, and so that could lend itself more to the kind of sprinkling, just kind of dousing someone with some water. Um, but I, I guess uh, from our perspective, we'd probably, I think, be baptism by immersion. I think that's kind of is able to, you know, do the, both the washing thing and the um, participation in the death thing. It kind of, you know, summarizes both of those. But, you know, people differ. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, we could go pretty deep into this, I guess, if we wanted to. I'm going to try not to, but it's worth giving it a, enough attention, at least. You know, I, I think if you were, if you're a believer in infant baptism, um, what's sometimes called pedo baptism, uh, that's uh, one of the things that people would look at is uh, how babies were circumcised in the Old Testament. They'd see that as an example of, oh, well, the babies were circumcised to kind of uh, uh, to see that as like an outward sign of entrance into the covenant community. I'm using the words of Wayne Grudem there because he's mm. it's a pretty much a, pretty much a legend uh, on theology. But um, we would say, well, actually, uh, we believe in what we call believers baptism. In other words, we're saying we want Christians uh, to make their own choices. We want them to, to have a. Uh, a personal response to the gospel, uh, a personal relationship with Jesus. And it's from that relationship that they choose to be baptized. So, um, you know, we see so much in, in the Bible that we're called to believe and be baptized. Well, it's hard to do that when you are a, an infant. You know, I've got a, a almost three month old child. I don't know if he believes in Jesus yet. I mean, he doesn't even know what his hands are. So it's probably <laughs> not, it's, it's not, uh, he knows, not something... he knows, he knows what rugby is though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course he knows what rugby is, but I, just, I think intellectually, uh, he's probably struggling with understanding the concept of grace and understanding the goodness of Jesus to die on the cross for him. Now that's a whole other conversation about where he sits in terms of his salvation and things like that. But the big deal is that, uh, we, we would say, that baptism probably isn't for him yet. You know, I was actually christened. I grew up in a Church of England church because I went to a Church of England school. And I have to say, I didn't believe it. I got christened actually because 
uh, I found out that my sister, who's 10 years younger than me, was going to get baptized. And I was a 10 year old at this point, not baptized. She was going to get christened. And I found out she was going to get a really nice gift. So I decided to get <laughs> baptized too, because I was going to get a watch out of it. And I never actually wore that watch, but it was, that's totally the wrong reason to, to do that. So actually I ended up getting re-baptized when I was uh, 19, 20, and uh, like, and, and actually a follower of Jesus by, by that point. Um, I think what I do want to talk about quickly is I just want to mention that this is a really big deal. You know, to us in the 21st century, we're often way more concerned with, uh, with other issues, shall we say. But actually, this is something that people died for, this, this uh, concept of, of baptism, whether it was by immersion or whether it was uh, sprinkling. Let me read this. This is uh, from the book Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. He says, 400 years ago, if you took a different view on baptism, you may have gotten drowned for it. Today, we rightly recoil at that, but I worry that sometimes uh, we swing to the opposite extreme. You know, this is the mindset that says, let's stop dividing over doctrine. It just hurts people. Let's just love Jesus and feed the poor. Now, you might have heard that, but Gavin Ortland would call this doctrinal minimalism. What he's saying is, it's not that it's wrong to love Jesus and feed the poor. Of course it's not. He's saying, uh, actually, we need to care about what the Bible teaches us to do, and we need to have strong convictions and not just be passive in some of these core things that Jesus has called us to. to. Now, when the Baptists, uh, which is kind of the the group of believers that uh, we have come from, Simon and I have come out of, uh, in, uh, grown out of, I guess, um, I hope that sounds right, but you know, involved from, I can't think of the right terminology really, but we are, we are Baptists at heart. Um, when we came out of that group, when Baptists first began, uh, Catholics would literally say, oh, hey, you want to be dunked? So I'm going to, okay, I'll, we can do that. I'll hold you under the water until you drown. That's, that's real church history, which is crazy. I mean, these, these things are, are big deals. And sometimes we run the risk like uh, Gavin Ortland says of doctrinal minimalism, we want to recognize that this is this is a huge thing, and uh, comes comes back to why is it so important. But but that's one of the reasons why we differ. And the two core areas that we differ on, Simon, are uh, yeah, whether it's it's immersion or sprinkling, or uh, whether it's uh, uh, whether you have to be old enough to make that choice, a believer's baptism or uh, an infant baptism. Uh, but there's there's also lots of difference differences in the the formalities of baptism, I guess. Mm. So um, I've been in churches where you have to have baptism classes for six weeks before you get baptized. And then uh, you have to uh, be interviewed in front of everyone in the church and then you get baptized. Uh, and then I've been in other churches where you have to write, uh, write out, uh, basically it's almost an exam you have to write to prove that you know what you believe. And then I've been in other places where people just run to the front and get baptized straight away, where you'll see thousands of people baptized in one go. Uh, Simon in Ascot Life Church is one of my favorite places for, for baptism. Maybe you could talk about how you, uh, how you would run a baptism service, obviously, if it wasn't COVID. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have had a baptism this year and it was done in a hot tub in someone's back garden. But usually... <laughs> Uh, we would, uh, we are privileged to have a building and that building has a baptism pool in it. Uh, we're formerly a Baptist church. And uh, yeah, what we do is um, 
well, in the actual meeting, there are kind of discussions that go on beforehand. But in the meeting, uh, you know, we'd sing uh, some worship songs. Uh, and then uh, later on, um, we would kind of explain what baptism is to everyone. And then we'd invite the person getting baptized into the um, into the pool. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'd just ask them a few questions, maybe a bit like that interview that um, you talked about in one of your previous churches, um, just a quite um, short thing. And then we baptize them. But I think probably what you're referring to is uh, kind of the moment afterwards, we are all gathered around the pool as the church. And because we believe that God speaks today through his Holy Spirit, through kind of words of knowledge and prophecy and that sort of thing, we give quite a lot of time, you know, sometimes 10, 20, 30 minutes to just sharing words from scripture or words of knowledge from the Holy Spirit with the person, praying for them, uh, and encouraging them. Yeah. Uh, for me, when I first joined the church there, I was blown away at that. I think it's such a small extra step, but it, it, it was so powerful for the people getting baptized just to recognize, hey, the church is standing with you as you make this declaration of faith. And I uh, just thought that was awesome. Uh, one of the things I kind of, I realized as we were talking, we're t- we, we've mentioned twice about Baptists. Now, it's worth mentioning that this was such a big deal that an entire domina- uh, denomination sprung up because <laughs> of it, which is then, you know, and many, many more denominations have sprung out of the Baptist denomination. It, it was such a big deal. And it, it, that, that, yeah, that, that happened, that there was a split. And obviously, like we talked about, there was so much um, bad stuff that happened in light of it. But uh, it's important that, that we hold on to uh, doctrine strongly, firmly, but at the same time that we don't, uh, we don't take it to such extremes where we can break fellowship with people. Uh, and I think actually, as we jump into the final section after this short break, we'll talk about some of those common questions. And what we'll see as a theme is uh, we're not going to be totally prescriptive in what you should do. We'll talk about where we've landed, but recognizing that uh, what's important is that you serve God with the best conviction <laughs> that you have, you know, with, your, with full conviction that you're doing all that you can to give him honor and glory. Um, and that's that's really a, a challenge because you may differ from us and that's okay. So after the break, we'll talk about common questions about baptism and see if we can go some way to answering them. So let's talk about some common questions. I've written down four that I'm hoping that we can get through. Uh, we may be able to answer them. We may not, but let's just have a discussion around them. I'm going to start by asking you, Simon. In fact, I'm going to ask you all the questions first, <laughs> just to put you on the spot because you're the guest. Oh, uh, first question. Right Don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. If you have any questions, by the way, Simon, feel free to throw those into the mix as well. Hmm. Uh, but the first question is this. Should you baptize immediately or should you wait? So in other words, when you give your life to Jesus, should you immediately be baptized or should you wait a little while? Hmm. Yeah, I would be really interested to hear your answer to this. So I will ask it afterwards. Um, I would say that as soon as possible, you should get baptized uh, with a caveat. Um, Now, I think the reason I'd say that is because when I read through Acts, 
I see that often there's kind of, there's a few moments where in Acts the gospel is preached and then right after the kind of preacher finishes with, with these words saying something like, believe and be baptized. And then they baptize the people there and then. Um, so they believed in the gospel of Jesus. And then on that moment, maybe even in that hour, they were baptized. Uh, and so my uh, advice to people when they talk, you know, we have lots of baptisms. Um, and when people talk to me about, oh, is this the right time for me to get baptized? Should, is, is, it, is it right now? I'd always say, do you believe in Jesus? Uh, and if the answer is yes, then, you know, get baptized yesterday. There is, there's no reason to wait. Um, now, I, I think the reason why some people would kind of put a bit of a gap between it is because you do want to be sure that people have placed their trust in Jesus and it's not just kind of an emotional hype thing. So maybe I probably wouldn't go as far to say, uh, you know, in that meeting, if someone believes in Jesus, then run up to the front and get baptized because that risks it being just a kind of emotional hype thing and not a, a, um, a, a deep trust in Jesus. But I would say, you, you know, Jesus just says, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and then teach them all I've commanded. He doesn't say teach them all I've commanded and then baptize them as if you have to kind of gain all this knowledge and maturity. Baptism comes first. You know, that is the start of your life with Jesus. And then you go on being disciple. But what would you say to that? Well, I think uh, I want to ask a, an extra question in there, because one of the questions I was going to get to was, should you take baptism classes, uh, mm. which kind of is a follow on. Um, that's a really common thing, particularly in North America. You would see, you know, a, a six to 12 week often baptism course. And I think I think you answered it so well, Simon. I, I think. Is is taking baptism classes a bad thing? Obviously not. Of course it's not. If, if that's going to help you uh, to learn more about Jesus and to grow in your relationship with Jesus, obviously that's a good thing. But is it a prerequisite to getting baptized? Well, biblically, I think you'd have a hard time saying yes. It's not like you see, believe and take a six-week baptism course and then be baptized. Like It's pretty straightforward there. But on the other end of the spectrum, exactly like you say, what you can sometimes see, and I've seen some mega churches do this, where, where you just have people who run to the front and they have a bunch of spare clothes and they don't ask any questions of who these people are that are getting baptized. You have no idea what's going on. Now, there's an element where that's between the person being baptized in God, right? Mm. You know, if they choose to 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 uh, fake it, I guess, and get baptized, well, yeah, that's between you and God. But also there is a responsibility of the church body who is baptizing them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the body of believers as a collective who are baptizing them. There's a responsibility to, to bring them into the fold. And I, I like that, um, that we encourage people or that when we were at Ascot Life Church, when you guys are baptized at Ascot Life Church, I like that you encourage and pray for people because it kind of, it presupposes a level of knowledge about the person getting baptized you know, there's a friendship there. There's a, mm. there's a relationship there usually when you, you pray for them. And so you, you can, it's almost like a, a testimony of this, this person's character, as well as a testimony of their journey to faith, which I really like. So with all that in mind, I would say that I wouldn't jump to uh, baptizing people as, as soon as they give their life to Jesus. 
But if they were desperate to get baptized, equally we wouldn't stop them. If you could see that there is a genuine uh, faith to them, I wouldn't say that there are any borders or boundaries to getting baptized. I would say baptism classes are, in theory, pretty good. Uh, I, I personally am not a big fan of them because I think it should be more organic than making someone take a course. Uh, but but that's just me. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I just it's not not for me personally. Um, any thoughts on that, Simon? Before we move to another question. Yeah, just one thing extra I'd say on that is um, that baptism is. We believe it's a sign, it's a symbol, it, it speaks, it communicates a message, it's not just an action. And so uh, one reason why I'd, I would encourage um, members in our church to, to get baptised much sooner rather than later is because if you kind of wait for, for say, you know, 20 years to get baptised because you want to get to a mature spiritual mm. level, then what are you communicating when you do get baptised? you could inadvertently communicate to your non-Christian friends and family who come to that service that for them to come to know Jesus, they have to, you know, plow 20 years into growing and maturing before they can kind of make the step of faith because that's kind of what you've done. Um, baptism is kind of the beginning of, you know, your new life in Christ or it symbolizes that. And so uh, you could even though you might say different things with your words, you could inadvertently say that coming to Jesus is about getting it all together and then you come to him. Um, and so yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd just always say, do it at the beginning. You're going to make mistakes afterwards. Jesus has grace. Um, yeah. Yeah, so good. Uh, I think just one thing, again, just one thing to add to the one <laughs> thing <laughs> is that you're, you're so right. I think if we wait, sometimes we paint a picture, not just that, we have to spend time getting to know Jesus, but that it depends on our own works and our own abilities. But mm. actually the whole point of being baptized is that we are celebrating the fact that Jesus has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. So yeah. uh, baptism, you're not working up to baptism as if you can get to a point of being approved <laughs> because everything that you are being approved for when you are being declared like free from sin and all of that stuff is because of what Jesus has done, not because of what you've done. So it's not, you're not earning anything. You're not earning baptism. It's been earned for you. So uh, I guess, yeah, just, just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying there. Uh, but the next question I wanted to ask was, you know, if you've been sprinkled or if you've been christened or infant baptized and you suddenly think, actually, I, I don't think that was the right thing. I need to be uh, baptized as an adult. Should you be rebaptized? I guess those are two different questions if you've been sprinkled and you think actually I, I think i should have been immersed should you be rebaptized? and if you were an infant and you think actually i should have been an adult or at least an old enough child to have you know agency of thought should i be be baptized so what do you think about those two? Oh, such tough questions um <laughs> and i think i reckon my answer would be slightly different to both uh i think we talked about baptism being kind of this moment of obedience to Jesus amongst other things but it is a moment of obedience to him when you say I'm going to display my faith outwardly by choosing to get baptized and so I think I would encourage people um, if they have been baptized as a child um, particularly probably an age where they just weren't conscious of it 
um, to consider whether they would see that as their kind of faith operative there. Um, and they might do. Um, but I would, I would just ask the question there uh, and say, do you see that as a kind of baptism that you owned, as it were, that you chose to do? Um, but if, it, if, if, say, you had someone who chose to get baptized and was sprinkled, I can't think of a better way to describe the sprinkling. It's just, uh, maybe that's you know, the, way, the best way to describe it. But I would say if you can look back on that and see that was a moment when I chose to express my faith in Jesus through baptism, even though it wasn't immersion, but you know, there was water involved, I was you know, declaring my faith. If you can see that, then I would say, actually, maybe you know, don't worry about being rebaptized. Um, because you would see that as baptism. However, if you if you don't, if you, for other reasons, don't see that as valid, then, like, feel free. There's such a there's a much bigger conversation to have than that. I wouldn't you know just give them those words, but uh, I think those are important things to bear in mind. Yeah, I just I've just thought of something going back to the previous question. I'm just remembering. Um, I think it's in Acts chapter eight where it's uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. And he's, he's baptized immediately, isn't he? You know, it's not, it's not like, oh, wait, hang on. Because he's reading, if I remember rightly, he's reading Isaiah or Isaiah, whichever, whichever country. It's Isaiah. And <laughs> every time I say it, I always, <laughs> I always find it hard. Um, but he, he was reading it. And then I think it was, was it Philip? Philip, yeah. who suddenly says, hang on, let me show you what that means. And then he gets baptized, right? Hmm. I'm pretty sure that's, that's what happens. And so that would kind of give us an indication that, you know, immediately is not so bad. Um, but yeah, going back to this, Simon, again, I really like that answer. I think um, one of the other things to throw into this mix is, so what if you are uh, physically disabled to a point where you can't be immersed in water? You know, maybe you're, you're, you're in a wheelchair and you just can't be, and you're, or you're not, yeah, not able to be baptized. Maybe you, you're on your deathbed and you can't be thrown into the waters. I mean, that would be pretty harsh to take you out of hospital and just throw you into a river and put you back in the hospital. It might not work. Uh, I think those things, uh, you know, although I'm kind of being flippant there, I think there are, there are serious realities to some of these questions. I think what's, what, what you're saying is, uh, is you have to, it's a heart decision primarily. Um, you know, we believe that, uh, baptism, even based down to the Greek word is focusing on to, on immersion or plunging. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's the only the only way to be baptized if your heart is fully convicted. I, I guess, right? Um, I'm yeah. I'm just kind of following on from what was already a great answer. So, one last question. I think well, we have time here. Unless you have any other questions, Simon, who should be the baptizer? Mm. Yeah, another great question. Uh, I guess uh, traditionally. Um, for most of church history, I guess the baptizer has always been, well, you know, in like the Roman Catholic Church, it's been the priest. And then even after the Reformation, I guess it was something that was solely done by the, the ordained minister. However, that, you know, title was um, used. Maybe it's called a pastor or the priest or whatever. Um, but I, I think, you know, as, you know, we're, in Protestant churches, and so we would believe in the um, priesthood of all believers, uh, 
And we'd also, I think, hold that as we've been talking about, baptism is it's not like a kind of uh, a sacrament that is administered to you, um, but it's something you yourself participate in. It's not like a, a kind of act of saving grace that you have that has to happen to you, um, but it's an outward symbol. Um, and so, I would say probably it it doesn't really matter too much who's baptizing you um now that again caveats to that because i think as we've talked about um you know it's important for um you know churches and particularly church leaders who hold the responsibility to um you know guard the uh you know the value of baptism um we've talked about not just kind of throwing baptism out willy-nilly um because it's an important thing that speaks volumes is willy-nilly and only an english phrase maybe you know i think it is yeah that. um and so i guess for that reason maybe it's kind of more helpful if um pastors do that or at least oversee it um but i think as long as it's done kind of in the context of the church i would say you know um i'd, I'd be fairly flexible on who does the baptizing yeah. Okay. I I think I would, yeah, I'd add the parameters if you didn't already say it, that they should be believers <laughs> baptizing <laughs> other people into, okay, so yeah, into, yeah. into the church. I think it's probably should make sure that's clear. That's probably fairly clear. Yeah. Um, and I think the church generally, I know in North America, often at like Bible camps and things like that, um, people will baptize in the lake and things like that. Uh, it's good to have, a body of believers, the, the people mm. that you would call your church, it's good for them to be the ones that baptize you. It's not the only way, as always, it's not the only way to be baptized, but it's good. It's a good thing to do to be baptized into that fellowship, into that family yeah. that you're a part of. Um, and so, yeah, I think uh, that probably answers the question pretty well, I think. I mean, of course, these are only our opinions based on how we read the Bible. Uh, you might have a, a different opinion. Some of these things are not up for discussion. Like we are called to believe and be baptized. The Great Commission says uh, to make disciples uh, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's not up for discussion. Some of these minute details are up for discussion a little bit more. So we want to hold that loosely in this discussion, recognizing mm -hmm. that you might have a different denominational background. You might have a different uh, uh, reading of the scripture, different interpretation. That's okay. We, we're going to tell you we believe because that's the conviction that we've been led to. Um, and we hope that you'll be gracious with us as we do that in the same way that hopefully we will uh, be gracious in recognizing there are different opinions too. Uh, Simon, thank you so much for joining us for uh, another episode of the Simple Faith podcast. You're actually our first returning guest. I was going to say, yeah, I was hoping because I think I was your first guest and now to be your first returning guest is Wow, it's such a such a privilege. <laughs> well, it's it's great. It's so good having you on the show. I always appreciate any conversations with you, but especially theological conversations as mm, well. Uh, likewise. If you are interested in following more of the Simple Faith podcast or seeing more episodes of the Simple Faith podcast, let me recommend one to you. I recommend taking a look at the Christian Denominations podcast. There's a good follow-up from this one. We've talked about Protestants and uh, Catholics and Baptists, and you might want to look a little bit more what that actually means so feel free to check out our archive for our podcast episode on denominations uh feel free to follow us on um 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, Amazon, I guess. And then head to YouTube, feel free to subscribe there. And uh, if you uh, are finding this helpful, if you find that this podcast is uh, being a blessing to you each week, uh, would you consider uh, buying us a digital cup of coffee? It helps us pay for some of the costs because it's not cheap to run a podcast. And we will gladly pay the cost. We will gladly do that if it means that it serves you well. But if you want to help us with that, we would very much appreciate that. Uh, head to uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash simple faith pod. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash simple faith pod, where you can basically do just that. You can buy us the equivalent of a digital cup of coffee, which will help go towards some of these costs. We're not trying to make a million dollars on a podcast, but we would love to cover the expenses if possible. So do think about doing that again. Don't feel any pressure. We're, we're going to continue to do this whether uh, we have financial support or not, because we want to serve you. We want to help people learn more about the Bible. So that's it from us. Have an incredible week and we will speak to you very soon. Bye.